This is the Statman Sports Podcast, where we keep topics in context. This is your host, Steve Duffus, who is still wondering why the Seahawks didn't run the ball. Ah, it's a beautiful day to talk sports, baby. Welcome to episode number 56 of the Statman Sports Podcast. This is your host, Steve Duffus. And today, and today... <laughs> Always when I laugh like this, you guys know what the deal is. But before we get into all that, man, if you're tuning in for the first time today, just want to thank you for tuning in to the Statman Sports Podcast. For those of you who've been there since day one, you already know what the deal is, man. Thank you for tuning in from wherever you're tuning in from iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. I keep saying iTunes, it's Apple Podcast. I need to get it right. Apple Podcast. Thank you once again for showing that support, man. But before we get into everything, man, designs make anything possible logos websites book covers cover letters if you want a custom logo like mine the Statman sports podcast logo many of you have showed interest in that logo well i got mine designed at 99 designs get a custom design you love with the creative the creative platform of 99 designs 99 designs is the best place to find and hire talented designers to grow your business you can find an affiliate link in the show notes later on if you want to read that on the website, Statman Sports Podcast. Now that we got that uh, out the way. <laughs> I have a question, a very interesting question for those of you listening today. And not interesting to know my, my opinion about something. But here's a question. Have you ever surfed online and you saw an apartment that you liked? You know, you, you're all excited. You scroll through the pictures and... It has everything you look for, you know, it, it brings your it brings your emotions out because you've been looking for a long time, for months, and you found the one that you finally want. And then you make an appointment to go see this apartment. And when you get to the apartment, it looks nothing like the pictures. Have you ever had that experience before? Well, I know who have. The Dallas Cowboys fans. Because that's exactly what the Dallas Cowboys are. They are that apartment. They look great in pictures, but when you step into the actual building, it looks nothing like the pictures. Let's get right into it. With no further ado. <laughs> Wait, what are you talking about, bro? Huh? What are you talking about, man? Woo! What? <laughs> bro, what are you talking about, man? It seems that every week the Dallas Cowboys are the headlines and the NFL. And I don't understand why. Oh, maybe because they're America's team. Maybe because they're, uh, let's say, what, overhyped? Any of you who are Dallas Cowboys fans, you're listening to this, you're not going to be happy. So if you, if you want to mute this to the next segment, you can go ahead and do that. But I'll tell you like it is. The Dallas Cowboys are mediocre. They're not as good and they're not as hyped as you guys make them out to be. The Dallas Cowboys are just like any other team who has an okay quarterback. They have a good running game and everything else is just suspect. All right. I said it the way it is. I've watched every Dallas Cowboys game. And these are the points that I want to put out today. And some statistics to put out there for you to understand why I'm taking the viewpoint that I'm taking after week 10 of the NFL season. As of right now, the Dallas Cowboys are measly 5-4. and four. So let's revisit the teams they've played. 
Week one, New York Giants. Week two, Washington Redskins. When they had zero wins. The New York Giants, beginning of the season, I get it. Everybody starts 0-0. But the Giants weren't really that good. And Eli Manning was their quarterback. Then they played week three, the Miami Dolphins. The winless Miami Dolphins, I might add. The Dallas Cowboys started the season 3-0. Like I said, everyone was making it all about, oh, Dak Prescott has improved. Ezekiel Elliott is running the ball. They're back to having the best offensive line. And they tend to forget. It's only convenient. That 3-0 looks only convenient just because it was the Dallas Cowboys. If it was any other team that started 3-0 and we looked at who they played, we would have been talking about them and their and their uh, scheduling saying well that three and all doesn't mean nothing it has an asterisk because you probably play the three worst teams in football at the beginning of the season so why would dallas cowboys fans hyping it up as if the dallas cowboys was really good then guess what happened week four the dallas cowboys played their first good opponent the new orleans saints without drew Brees for that matter teddy bridgewater was their quarterback and the, New, and the New Orleans Saints held the Dallas Cowboys at 10 points. Dak Prescott, two for 223 yards. Ezekiel Elliott had the game high 35 rushing yards. 35 rushing yards. There's a trend now. Just, just watch this trend, though. Against the New York Giants, Ezekiel Elliott had 53 yards. And they won because Dak Prescott threw for 405 yards. But again, the New York Giants weren't that good. Week 2, Ezekiel Elliott had 111 yards. Dak Prescott only threw for 269 yards. The Dallas Cowboys won. Week 3, against Miami, Ezekiel Elliott had 125 yards. Dak Prescott threw for 250. The Dallas Cowboys won. Hmm, against the Saints, Ezekiel Elliott had 35 rushing yards. A measly 35 rushing yards. Dak Prescott had 223 yards. The Dallas Cowboys couldn't win a the game. Then Week 5. They played the Green Bay Packers at home. They were trailing at 1.33 to 1. Ezekiel Elliott had 62 yards. Dak Prescott had 463 yards. With an asterisk, they were trailing 33 to 1. They weren't running the ball anymore. They were just passing it all over the field. So that, to me, half of those yards were just garbage yards. That didn't mean anything. But you see a trend here? All the games the Dallas Cowboys are losing are against current playoff teams. Then, week six, they played against the New York Giants, which at the time, they only had one win. They lost 24-22 because play calling was awful for the Dallas Cowboys. Ezekiel Elliott had 105 yards, Dak Prescott 278, and they still lost. Then, week seven, they played the Philadelphia Eagles. I give them that. They had a balanced game. Amari Cooper had 106 receiving yards. Ezekiel Elliott, again, had over 100 yards. Dak Prescott had 239. They beat the Philadelphia Eagles. They, they didn't beat them. They smacked them down 37 to 10. Then again, they had a bye week in week eight. Then week nine, they played the New York Giants again. Then they won that game convincingly. Ezekiel Elliott was again the best player on the field. He had 139 yards and 257. You guys get the point here. When Ezekiel Elliott runs the ball, when he gets over 100 yards, it's a guaranteed Dallas Cowboys win. Then they played the Minnesota Vikings. This past weekend on Sunday Night Football, Kirk Cousins, who has never won a game. He was 0-7 to that point on primetime games. He didn't beat anybody good or bad in primetime. Kirk Cousins went into Dallas, 
with Dalvin, with the help of Dalvin Cook and that Minnesota defense who hasn't been playing well all season, they went in there and spanked down the Dallas Cowboys. Ezekiel Elliott had a grand total of 47 yards. Guess what? The Dallas Cowboys lost their game. Dak Prescott. Oh, but Dak Prescott threw for 397 yards. Uh, they still took the L though. So, all of you who are crying about and making this noise that Dak Prescott should be paid $40 million, you guys need to go do a sobriety test. You're out of your mind. Out of your mind. The Dallas Cowboys go as Ezekiel Elliott go. You can't have your cake and eat it too, all right? You can't be talking about, oh, well, if if Zeke didn't have his holdout, then he probably would have been in shape, and then we probably would have been better. No, it's not all up to Zeke. Zeke carried you long enough. Dak Prescott was just managing the game, and now all of a sudden, because he can throw a few deep passes down the field, and he has a decent receiver to catch the ball, now all of a sudden we need to pay him $40 million? Really? I didn't know his last name was Dak Rogers or Dak Brady or Dak Mahomes. He's not in the caliber of those guys. I'm never paying Dak Prescott $40 million. But we don't want to talk about Dak Prescott's salary. Ezekiel Elliott earned his money. As mediocre that he as he looks now, he will get resolved. He will solve the problem. Right now, teams are just saying Dak Prescott cannot beat us with his arm. And it's clearly evident against the good teams the Dallas Cowboys are 0 and 4 literally 0 and 4 when they played the Philadelphia Eagles they had a losing record you know who beat you know how many teams have a better winning record against winning teams the Cleveland Browns the Atlanta Falcons have more wins against winning teams than the Dallas Cowboys really you're going to hang your hat on beating the New York Giants twice, the Washington Redskins, the Miami Dolphins? Really? That's really what you're hanging your hat on? This is the team everybody was raving about that's going to make the Super Bowl? Might have remind you guys, you guys see the NFC? The Green Bay Packers are 8-2. and two. San Francisco 49ers are undefeated. <laughs> the Seattle Seahawks are 7-2. and two. The Saints are right there in the mix. And talk about the Rams and the Eagles. All these guys are 5-4 and four and they're still in the mix. The Dallas Cowboys, they're going to have a hard time. A very hard time. And now comes the toughest part of this schedule. So good luck to the Dallas Cowboys. And that measly 5-4 and four record. Because I'm here to tell you, they're not going anywhere. But let me transition to this though. The New Orleans Saints... They lost to the Atlanta Falcons, man. That was so surprising. And I can't believe that I'm here saying this, man. This is one absolutely amazing statistic. Between 2006 and 2018, the New Orleans Saints scored zero touchdowns twice. This season alone, they already have three games where they haven't scored a touchdown. But yet, their record says different. What is going down in New Orleans? What is happening over there? Like I just mentioned earlier, man, the NFC, each game matters, man. You can't you can't have a day off. You can't have a bad game. Oh, you can't have too many bad games because you fall right down in the standings and you won't, you won't make the playoffs. But the New Orleans Saints surprisingly had that bad loss against the Atlanta Falcons, and I just can't explain what it's really going on. Maybe it's just one of those days, like we all have them. You have a good week, and then you wake up on that Thursday. You know it's a weekend coming, and just everything just goes wrong at work co-worker has a 
bad attitude with you. The boss doesn't like your work. It's just a bad day. And I think it, the Saints didn't really get exposed. It, nothing was shown to them. It was just the Saints just having a bad day and they lost. But I also think that the NFL has more parity than we actually want to believe. For the, for the first time in a long time, we really don't know who's really going to win the Super Bowl. There's many teams out there. Like the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. I mean, are we talking enough about him? Are we, are we really, are we really not giving Lamar Jackson his props? This is Lamar Jackson's first 16 career starts. He has 13 wins. The record was previously held by Patrick Mahomes. He had 12. Rushing yards. Lamar Jackson has 1,258 rushing yards. You know how many more yards that is? In the first 16 starts of their career, LaDainian Tomlinson held the record. LaDainian Tomlinson is a Hall of Famer. Lamar Jackson has more rushing yards than him. And by the way, LT is a running back. Lamar Jackson has more rushing yards than a running back in his first 16 career starts. His passer rating, 94.4. To Tom Brady's 90.1 in the first 16 starts. Yards per attempt in his first 16 start, Lamar Jackson, 7.6. The record was held by Aaron Rodgers, 7.5. Completion percentage, Lamar Jackson, 63% to Drew Brees, 61%. That is what Lamar Jackson is doing through 10 weeks of this NFL season, man. Are you guys, are you kidding me? I mean, excuse me, his first 16 starts. His first 16 career starts. Lamar Jackson right now is a front runner for MVP. And there's nothing anyone can tell me is any different. Did you guys see the spin move against the Cincinnati Bengals? <laughs> oh my gosh. That looks like that looks like some vintage EA Madden 2000 Michael Vick stuff, man. And you know, quite surprisingly, I actually think that uh that Lamar Jackson might be just a little better than our uh, Michael Vick. He's he literally on pace to break to break Michael Vick's rushing record, and I'm sure that record is going to get shattered if this boy continues to play like this. Lamar Jackson is a real deal, and we should be paying attention to this man. Right now, he's 30 in the, in the NFL in QBR. 30 in the NFL in QBR. He has a total of 22 touchdowns, 12 passing touchdowns, and 10 rushing touchdowns. There's no there's there's no stopping in Lamar Jackson right now, and we should give this man the respect. But before we continue on to the other points and the other things I want to share with you guys in terms of some st statistics for week 10 of the NFL, something just came to mind. Speaking about Lamar Jackson and his QBR and his completion percentage. A lot of times I hear people talk about this QBR thing like it's the end all be all. It, it talks about how great your quarterback has been. I think that's a, one of the most miscued statistics in sports. But it reminded me of this. This is to tell you. Yet again, to make a point as to how the Dallas Cowboys are just not good at all and how they're not on the same page on the sidelines. On third and seven plus yards on Sunday Night Football, Dak Prescott was five for five, 100% conversion, obviously, 17.8 yards per attempt and a touchdown. He converted on third and 14, third and 12, third and 12, third and eight, and third and seven. And all of them, he completed them for 15 yards or more for first downs. But guess what happened on second and third with at the 11-yard line 
from the Minnesota Vikings in the fourth quarter. They ran the ball with Ezekiel Elliott twice, got negative yardage, and passed it to Ezekiel Elliott again on fourth and five. Look, I don't know what's going on with that. I could care less about the Dallas Cowboys because <laughs> I publicly admit that I don't really like that team. I really just don't like them because they're just overhyped. They never perform the way they're up to. But for some reason, people keep hyping them year after year. Listen, they paid Ezekiel Elliott $50 million guaranteed. Pay him $90 million. Well deserved, of course. Dak Prescott has yet to get paid. But that sequence right there just lets you know what is going on. If your quarterback has passed for almost daggone near 500 yards, or what was it, 400 yards that he passed, and your running back has been non-existent all night. Why would you run the ball in second and three? But then again, if you look at it from the other side, it's Ezekiel Elliott. You pay him $50 million. It's second and three. Why just? Why won't you just run the ball twice? But then again, this is revisionist history. Because it didn't convert, now we're talking about it as it's crazy. If they did convert the ball, nobody would be talking about it. But at the same time, it just makes you realize your quarterback is hot, man. You think if Aaron Rodgers put up these type of numbers in, in that type of game, in that situation, they'd be running the ball? Absolutely not. The Dallas Cowboys need to get it together, man. But let's transition over to a running back that's doing really, really well. Christian McCaffrey and Aaron Jones. We had the game of the week between the Green Bay Packers and the Carolina Panthers, man. That game was just statistic galore. The, the Carolina Panthers were top 10 in rushing the passer. Aaron Rodgers had a really hard time getting the ball off. He had, he had a really hard time finding his receivers. But he finally has something that for many years he didn't have. A running game. Aaron Jones, three total touchdowns. Right now, he's tied with Christian McCaffrey, who to me, in my opinion, should be a top five MVP candidate. But Aaron Jones right now has a total of 12 rushing touchdowns tied with Christian McCaffrey for the league lead in rushing that's an amazing statistic to have man if you can lead the league in rushing that just means your offensive line is blocking well you're getting to your reads you're, you're you're seeing the whole well you are you are getting to your spots and that bodes well for a quarterback and especially a quarterback of Aaron Rodgers caliber this is going to pay dividends for the Packers down the line down the season for a long time, for most of his entire career, Aaron Rodgers had to carry the load every game, every time. A lot of us are thinking, well, not me at least, but a lot of people are thinking that Aaron Rodgers is washed up. He, he's not doing the things he's, he, uh, he usually does. But I'll give you a simple answer because he just doesn't have to anymore. That's what we Packer fans have been crying for for years. We don't, yes, Aaron Rodgers can throw for 500 yards and six touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. Yes, and he can do that amazing fourth quarter drive. But we don't need that every week. If we had a little balance, we'd be fine. The Packers defense is not top 10. Matter of fact, then they're like bottom 20, actually. But in comparison to the other Packers teams, they're actually getting to the ball. They're getting takeaways. They're getting sacks at crucial moments. And that's what really matters. Give Aaron Rodgers opportunities and the Green Bay Packers would eventually win a Super Bowl. But the key is they need to stay consistent. Right now, the Green Bay Packers are 8-2. and two. The Carolina Panthers lost that game. That puts them at 5-4. and four. We all know that Cam Newton is done for the season. But the question still remains for the rest of the season. Is Kyle Allen the future for the Carolina Panthers? And that was my review of Week 10 this NFL season that don't make any sense
we go from talking NFL to NBA. And um, you you guys already know it's 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 too early in the season for us to have any clear direction as to which NBA team is going to eventually win the NBA championship or which of the teams are going to be consistent because it's early. Teams are trying to figure out their new systems. Teams are trying to figure out their coaches, um, you know, their, their players, or their, their proper rotations. We're only, we're literally only in like nine games in, nine, ten games in the NBA season. But I'll tell you what, one thing that differentiates the NBA from the NFL is something that we have already heard. Two dirty words, load management. Everybody knows about the Los Angeles Clippers getting fined by the NBA 50K by being inconsistent about the injury with Kawhi Leonard. Look, I am from the old school. I'm 34 years of age. I've seen Michael Jordan in his prime, Kobe Bryant in his prime, Vince Carter in his prime. I've seen Tracy McGrady in his prime, Yao Ming, everybody in their prime. Look, the point is the NBA schedule has been 82 games from the time I started watching basketball. And the back in the old era everybody tried to play 82 games matter of fact it was like a career thing actually it was like a big deal it was like you're winning it's like you're winning the oscars or the grammys if you played 82 games for a season so it's quite interesting that Kawhi leonard is taking a lot of games off eight games in for the clippers eight games in and Kawhi leonard already took off two games because he's refusing to play rephrase he's not really refusing he's load managing his body in order to be fresh for end of games and for the longevity in the season because the goal for the LA Clippers is to win the championship. Now, on Twitter, I had a very interesting conversation with one of my followers because they asked me and also made a statement asking me if I agree with Kawhi's load management. Look, my point is this, and I'm going to give you some numbers that actually backs up what I'm trying to say here, and it proves a point, and I can't argue against it really. Kawhi Leonard won a championship for the Toronto Raptors. Asterisk or not, yes, we know KD was injured. Yes, we know Draymond Green got injured eventually. Yes, we also found out Klay Thompson was injured during that entire series. Point is, the Golden State Warriors did not have their full squad. So a lot of people are still going to question whether the Toronto Raptors would have actually won that championship had these guys been healthy. But then again, if you look at it from the other side, injuries are part of the sports. Whenever the injuries come, Unfortunately, if they happen in the NBA Finals, you got to deal with it, man. The Raptors were relatively healthy. And the Golden State Warriors, well, they have nothing really to complain, man. For five years, they've been fully healthy. People have been injured. They got the luck of injury as well. Because who knows, if Chris Paul was never hurt, would they have won two championships back-to-back? We don't know. But the point I'm trying to make is, Kawhi Leonard load managed for about two years with the San Antonio Spurs. Greg Popovich was doing this with, with Tim Duncan, Mono Ginobili, Tony Parker, and then Kawhi Leonard did it where he told the trainers, we all know the story, long story short, his body wasn't feeling right. He told the trainers he didn't feel right. He went and got a second opinion. He still said he wasn't feeling right. He just sat out the entire season and forced the San Antonio Spurs to trade him. He went to the Toronto Raptors on a condition. If they let him rest and take his time off, he'll be ready to play. And guess what? Long story short, again, he won a championship load managing. So we can't really question the fact or be happy about the fact that, oh, Kawhi Leonard is all of a sudden sitting two games for this regular season with the Los Angeles Clippers, man. Doris Burke, she had her opinion about this, and I agree with her slightly. Those of us who pay, who work sometimes, some of us work two jobs, 
Some people work three jobs. They earn their money. They want to take their kids to an NBA game. You come in to the arena. You come up with your jerseys. You show up there, you know, all excited to see your superstar play. And then all of a sudden, they just pop up and say, hey, Kawhi Leonard, coach's decision. He's not playing. You just spend all your hard-earned money and you're not going to see him. That point, I agree with it. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, this is all about context, people. Kawhi Leonard is leading the NBA in fourth quarter points. He's averaging damn near 15 points in the fourth quarter. You know why? Because he's the freshest guy in the fourth quarter most every game because he's taking care of his body. And eventually, the players, unfortunately, if nobody's going to say it, I will. Unfortunately, the players don't have to care about us. We can say all we want. We need to boycott the game. We're not going to go to the game. We're not going to watch it. But really, are we really going to do that? Because we said the same thing about Colin Kaepernick when he was kneeling. We all said we're not going to watch the NFL because the NFL is blackmailing him, which eventually we know he's blackmailing him. But a lot of us has not stopped watching the NFL. I've been open about where I stand with that. I wasn't going to stop watching the NFL just because the blackball Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick doesn't know me. He, I don't know him. Like I'm going to stop watching the league and stop enjoying myself and enjoying a sport just because the NFL treated him that way. I don't agree with the way they treat him. But the point I'm trying to make is, are we going to stop going to NBA games just because, just because Kawhi Leonard decided to rest his body in the long run for his profession? He knows his body. I understand we pay our money, but we also know what comes with it. If you if you know you're gonna watch Kawhi Leonard, you need to be you need to be absolutely 100% sure that man's gonna play that night in, before you buy your tickets. And granted, nowadays you don't have to buy a ticket in advance like years ago. There are always gonna be tickets available on StubHub or Ticketmaster or NBA.com, wherever you buy your tickets. They're gonna be available, so we we can buy your tickets. You you know a day before or even before game time if he'll be able to play. So I don't necessarily see the whole big deal, but in the grand scheme of things, I understand the frustration. Because no way, Kawhi. I'm sorry. This I don't agree with wholeheartedly. Really, Kawhi? Eight games into the season, bro, and you already shot two of them? It can't be that bad, man. Come on. And then especially a primetime game? Dude, prime time. When these people schedule their schedules, ESPN, ABC, NBA TV, when they make these schedules, right, there's a reason why they play you on prime time games. Because you are prime time team now, the Los Angeles Clippers. And I can't believe I'm saying that. The Clippers and the Lakers right now look like the two best teams in the NBA. Look like it. I'm not predicting anything. I'm just saying they look like it. So when the Clippers missed, when Kawhi Leonard missed the game, with the Clippers versus the Bucks in primetime. Well, we were kind of shaded by that, man. We wanted to see you and Giannis go at it, Kawhi. So I might want you to rethink when you actually take these load management games. That's all I'm saying. And I want to transition into this. Speaking of load management, man, the Boston Celtics. In this week's power rankings, my power rankings, the Boston Celtics have a record of 7-1. and one. This is an 82-game season, and the timing of Gordon Hayward's injury, it was okay because it's early. So, you know, he can deal with his injury. But for a guy that's been injured quite a little while who had to set up for a long time, the injury was quite terrible. Before Gordon Hero was injured, he was averaging 23 points a game on 63% shooting, 9 rebounds, and 6.3 assists. All right? 
That was good enough to help the Boston Celtics make the second biggest jump in percentage of their shots that have come from a restricted area. From 29% last season to 33%. He by himself is shooting 36% in the restricted area and that's the highest in the NBA thus far. Look man, and after that opening night clunker in Philly, the Celtics have won 7 straight games. And after a quick two-game homestand, they're back on the road for a five-game road trip against the Western Conference. As of this recording, Monday, November 11, 2019, the Boston Celtics won another game against the Dallas Mavericks. Kemba Walker went off, had eight three-pointers. Eight three-pointers. <laughs> Is anybody questioning that swap between Kyrie Irving and Kemba Walker now in Boston? That's why you don't overreact, man. Just give it some time. I remember when Kemba stunk it up that first game. Everybody was like, oh my gosh, why are we paying this man so much money? 7-1. and one. That's all that matters right now. In the upcoming week, the Boston Celtics, obviously, like I said, they play the Dallas Mavericks. Then they play at home again against the Washington uh, Wizards. Then they play at the Golden State Warriors and then at the Sacramento Kings. Coming in number two, man, on my weekly NBA Power Rankings. The Los Angeles Lakers, my Los Angeles Lakers, they're 7-2. They have a 101.2 pace, an offensive rating of 105.5, and a defensive rating of 98.1. Good enough for second in the NBA. The Los Angeles Lakers have had their struggles on defense for many, many, many years. Even when LeBron James came, barring his injury, the Los Angeles Lakers defense was just terrible. Now they shipped off Lonzo Ball, they shipped off Brandon Ingram. Those guys are doing very well, by the way with the Pelicans did it have to do with them playing with LeBron James did it have to do with just a system which is not fitting their skill set I don't know but what's going on right now with the Pelicans man Brandon Ingram looks right now to be leading for the most improved player award the Lakers lost to the Toronto Raptors on Sunday night and they had one of the worst defensive games of the entire season they allowed Toronto to score 113 points on 101 possessions but maybe it's put a spotlight back on the offense that ranks 20th in the league. Even though LeBron James is averaging a career-high 11 assists with his lowest turnover ratio of 9.8 per 100 possession in the last seven seasons, the Lakers, they still rank in field goal percentage in the paint 61%, but rank 21st in percentage of their shots that come from the paint at 48%. And that's good enough for 28 in the league. There's 32 teams in the NBA. And they're 28 in the league. So yeah, as good as the Los Angeles Lakers have looked offensively, and even LeBron specifically, individually, looked great on defense. You know, he's flying all over the place, blocking shots. And I give a lot of credit to that for him just having a, a whole offseason off. Man, the man has been literally dominating the Eastern Conference, been going to NBA Finals years after year. So his body was broken down, man. But him getting that offseason, you can see now defensively, he's still improving. But... One thing that's still an issue for the Lakers, on the perimeter, they're still allowing themselves not to put the ball in the basket. And I'll read off this statistic here for you to understand how ridiculous the, the Lakers shooting is. Their three-point attempts to mid-range attempts is 1.7. It's the third lowest in the league. Anthony Davis ranks 31st in mid-range field goal percentage at 34.9% among 33 players with at least 25 attempts. All these notes, all these statistics are going to be in the show notes. So you can go back and look at them. So the Lakers, as good as they look, they didn't necessarily play anybody good aside from the Clippers and now the Raptors. They're 7-2 again. 
I, I'm realistic. I put an asterisk next to the Lakers. They've they've improved a lot of things. That roster still needs improvement because over an 82 game schedule and the playoffs, when it becomes more rigorous, these numbers are gonna dwindle down. And one thing needs to stay stay consistent: defense. It's not a cliche. Defense win championships. This week, the Los Angeles Lakers will be playing at the Phoenix Suns versus the Golden State Warriors versus the Sacramento Kings and versus the Atlanta Hawks. Coming in at number three in my power ranking is the Milwaukee Bucks, man. They have a 7-3 record. They have an offensive rating of 110.4 and a defensive rating of 102.9. Yeah, man, the Bucks are well on their way again, man. They are well on their way to trying to make it again to the Eastern Conference Finals. Overall, though, the Bucks haven't been as dominant as they were in the first 10 games last season when they had a 12.1 points per possession, but they've been close, though. Right now, they're averaging like 11.7, 11.7 points per possession. So they've won five of the last six games in the middle of a road-heavy stretch with the only loss coming at the buzzer in Utah, which was a really good game, by the way. You can go back and look at that on NBA TV game time. They get to play the Wolves without Carl Anthony Towns and the Clippers without Ka- Kawhi Leonard last week. Something I already mentioned and talked about with Kawhi's load management. And right now, Chris Middleton is out for four to eight weeks. So, it's all on the shoulders of, of the current MVP, Giannis Atacompo, to take the Bucks where they need to go. Because Middleton has had a few rough shooting nights over the last couple of weeks, but Eric Bledsoe is having one of his best stretches in Milwaukee. He has four straight games with 20 or more points. The first time he has two plus seasons with the Bucks. So that's for you to know. That team is well-rounded, even though they lost some key free agents over the over the offseason. But they, they're there. They're gonna make some moves. And with their current seven and three record, they made a big jump from last week in my power ranking. So this is what I have for you right now with the Denver Nuggets coming in at number four. And number five with the LA Clippers, number six the Toronto Raptors, number seven the Utah Jazz, number eight the Miami Heat. Surprisingly, the Miami Heat are doing really, really, really well. Number nine the surprising Phoenix Suns who have a record of six and three. And rounding out my top ten is the Philadelphia 76ers at six and three. I thought at the beginning of the season they'll probably have the best record around now just because of how their roster their roster is constructed. But this is how the NBA goes, man. But for right now, those are my top 10. If you want to go back and read all the notes and all the and all the uh, statistics, you can go back and find that on statmanpodcast.com. And that's the end of this review for week number four of the NBA season. Ah, we've come to the end of another episode. Episode number 56 of the Statman Sports Podcast. Once again, if you're listening in live on CWR Network, I want to thank you for tuning in on the radio station. If you're listening in on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you're tuning in from. Matter of fact, it's not iTunes, it's Apple Podcasts. You know, this is, this is like when the year switches over and you forget that you're in the new year, so you keep writing the old years. Yeah, so I'm stuck on that. It's Apple Podcasts instead of iTunes. Just, just hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. You can hit that review as well. You can just leave a review. You can leave your construct, constructive criticism because I love a challenge and I love to better myself and with this podcast i would like to give you guys the best content i can give you also guys if you if you care about you know some merchandise you'd like to represent the podcast you can go to store.statmanpodcast.com we have a lot of new gear we have a lot of discounts coming we have veterans day discounts shout out to all our veterans serving our country and try to keep us safe we have a sale for that for the upcoming 36 hours so you can get your 
your uh, your gear there. Also, big announcement. Next week, we're going to have the great Sarah Spain, ESPN host Sarah Spain on the podcast. So during the week, we're going to be advertising that because I'm excited. You know, I've, I've waited a long time to get her on here. So finally, we got Sarah Spain coming in to talk to her about various topics during the sports world. I know it's going to be fun. I know she's going to have fun. And I, I know for sure you guys are going to have fun. And also, guys, finally... My friend Antonietta Collins. You guys remember episode seven? She came on, and uh, she gave us a great time. Our first interview ever on the podcast, and I want to return the favor to her. So next year she's gonna do the Boston Marathon, and she's accepted a challenge in completing the Boston Marathon with Teddy's team, Teddy Bruski's team. They help you know people find hope and solutions for heart disease and stroke survivors. So she's gonna participate. Yeah, just put the word out there. If you want to find out more about that, you can go on her Twitter page. Um, her Twitter handle is Antonietta Collins. If you, if you can't, you know, spell out her name properly, you can go on uh, just on Twitter and find it, and you'll find the link there. It's uh, the link would be teddies.comvio.net. So teddies.comvio.net. That T E D Y S dot C O N V I O dot net. That'll be all for today, guys. But for right now, man, we'll see you next week with Sarah Spain. Statman signing out, baby. Thanks for listening to the Statman Sports Podcast. See you next time.